This morning we are also so grateful to have back with us Alan Ross, who provides prophetic covering over our congregation. Alan, why don't you come up here for just a moment? And I'm going to introduce him now because later I'm going to just release him right into the Word. So I just want to introduce uh, Alan with us. He first came to us in 2005 and has been with us for the last seven, eight years then. Alan ministers uh, literally all over the world. Hallelujah. And Lord, with open hands, we receive your word today through the servant that you have brought to us. Thank you, Lord, for a fit word that you have spoken into his heart today to bring to us, to speak to us, God, this hour, this time, for this moment. We pray that you, your anointing, release your anointing now. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, release. Good morning, thank you again. Let's get into the Word of God immediately. If you have a Bible, please turn to the Gospel of John. John 14. And at the same time, Jump over to First Peter chapter 1. John 14, First Peter chapter 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. It's a tremendous version. John 14, First Peter chapter 1. One. You hear the sound of Bible pages being turned? It's a lovely sound. It gives the devil a coronary thrombosis. Hallelujah. John 14, reading from verse 23. This is the Word of God. Jesus answered, And said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you, while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle, of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, I almost said Cappuccino there, Asia and Bithynia, who are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. 
Amen. We've read profound verses of the Scriptures today. Jesus spoke in John 14. Powerful truths. A portion of Scripture that certainly is conditional by nature, but in the grace of God, I believe this is something we all need to appreciate, be grounded in, and feel secure within. Today's message is entitled, God's Work in Us. I believe ultimately that's what the Christian life is all about, God's work in us. We go on a journey in the Christian life, we begin the new birth as a, a, a babe in the Lord, an infant in the Lord, a child in the Lord. As we continue walking with the Lord, we mature into young men or young women of the faith. And the high place in the kingdom of God for all of us, the lofty heights that the grace of God desires to bring us to is becoming fathers and mothers in the faith. It's a journey, a confusing journey. Sometimes we can exhibit the maturity of a young man or young woman of the faith one day and behave like a baby in the faith still the next day. And that can also be said as we begin to take on the characteristics of a mother or father of the faith and bring forth great wisdom and serve the Lord in a selflessly one day and then behave like a young man or woman of the faith the following day. Our human nature, our fragility as human beings is always there to be seen and to be worked through. But depending where we are at in terms of maturity levels, well, that determines how we will view God's work in us. Jesus brought forth a tremendous promise in the Scriptures this morning that if anyone loves him and keeps his word, the Father will love him. And Jesus, using the term we, meaning he and his heavenly Father, will come to that person and make our abode or home within him. That's good news in itself. But when we drop down the chapter a little bit more into John 14, 26, we read then that not only is the Christian designed to be the domestic residence of Father God, of God the Son, but also God the Spirit, that within us is the Holy Spirit teaching us, helping us, and bringing to remembrance all that Jesus has said to you and I over the span of a Christian experience. There's a lot in those words. We could spend a lot of time unpacking all the variables and potential dynamics. But I believe this morning the Lord wants to bring you and I to a new place of security. That we can leave this service and acknowledge 
in the privacy of our own hearts, out of the depths of our own spirit, that the triune God is very much within us. We're living in the God age. We're living in a curious mixture of social expression where on the one hand everyone talks about God. There are many religions out there using the term God. As I was recovering from surgery, I watched a two-part documentary on the life of George Harrison, a member of a little Liverpudian music combo called the Beatles. And he spoke about God all the time in a way that was authoritative, knowledgeable, and in his mind, he was absolutely certain he knew God. God is out there today. On the other hand, there is a growing secular humanist movement that says there is no God. What you see is what you get. So there's lots of confusing voices out there vying for our attention. I believe primarily the Lord wants us to understand when we hear the word God that you and I are deeply reassured that we know the true God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. That when we hear of other people from other faiths talking about God and what God means to them, we can immediately retreat into our spirit and look at them through non-judgmental, non-critical eyes, but moving into the depths of our spirit. We can rejoice and say, we know the true God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Believe prophetically, the war this century is the war on truth, the battle for truth. And one thing I know about my God historically is this. He always exposes lies. He takes great delight in exposing to the world the emptiness of godless ideology. And I believe this century has been set apart in the times and seasons of God to reveal the futility and worthlessness of false religions that dare to take the name of God and own it for their own sake. So here you and I are alive in planet Earth for such a time as this, to be ambassadors of this message, but more importantly, to walk in the reality of the works of God within you and I. What do the works of God mean for you and I this morning? What's it all about in the last analysis? As we work through all this stuff in our life, as we seek to make sense of God, our lives, our callings, our fellowships, I believe the Lord will always take us to a single point in the kingdom spectrum, which is simply relationship. God works within us. Bless him for that. But you know, if we filter that through anything other than 
relationship with God, we miss the point completely. I know to a person in the sanctuary today, we all want to have a closer relationship with God. I love the old hymn, just a closer walk with me. I love that hymn. I hear that hymn going through my spirit regularly. At one level, as we consider God's works within us today, we can take that into the relationship realm. If you want a closer relationship with God today, and I know you do, can I encourage you to do something? The something I want to encourage you to do is simply this. Nothing. Give up trying to have a relationship with God. That's basically the problem. When we try to have a relationship with God, it doesn't take you and I very long to go off at a soulish tangent. It's part of the discipleship experience. It's part of our growing up experience. So for the next 20 minutes or so, can I encourage you to relax into the truths that you're about to hear and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you into these truths that by the time this message ends, you will not only have a revelation of your relationship with God, but you're going to go home this afternoon and do some homework and come out of the homework experience and discover how deep, rich, intimate, and powerful your relationship with God has been your entire Christian life. The gospel is always good news. It's not good news on a Sunday and bad news on a Monday. It's good news all the time. I marvel at how some misguided Christians try and make the good news bad news. God brings you and I good news this morning. For he has been in relationship with us all along in a way that's rational, in a way that has been fruit-bearing. And when we look over our personal history as Christians, we can discern through the tools the Lord will give you and I this morning what God has actually done within us in a relational context. We began our message with Peter exhorting the churches scattered throughout a number of regions and then saying to them, you are chosen. He immediately started moving into the language of God. You are chosen. That message applies to us and extends to us. This fellowship, your salvation, all came about through missionary activity that planted the church. That your salvation came about through the missionary endeavors of the Holy Spirit, revealing Jesus Christ to you. And here we all are, sitting in Bethel Christian Fellowship, St. Paul this morning, secure in our faith, knowing that we 
are chosen. Theologians have waged war on that theme for many, many centuries. I'm inclined to let them get on with it. I know my position in the matter. I will never enter into a hostile relationship with any brother on a theological issue. It's as simple as that. But the Word of God tells us that we are chosen. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you to go and bear fruit. It's part of the eternal language of God that we can only understand by revelation. As we discovered yesterday at the Forerunner Conference to Out of the Box Conference, God's language is eternal in nature. We will always get into trouble when we try and interpret God's eternal language to fit our own prejudices. We're a chosen people today. We're chosen. Not in a clinical, random way, but we're chosen because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit had a confab in heaven where your name came up, my name came up. And then circumstantially, we got to a place of a revelation of Jesus that reflected the work of every member of the Trinity, bringing you and I to that noble position. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, we see the detailed work of the triune God at work within us. And before we unpack that some, I want you to see right now God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit in a little circle, all holding hands with one another. Picture that in your mind. Then picture yourself in the center of that circle. If you understand nothing else this morning, understand this truth. It's the fellowship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are enjoying with one another with regards to your life that will ignite, initiate, develop, and fulfill the works of God within you. Now we get the message when the Lord says, rest in me, rest in the Lord. We're no longer tempted to say, it's okay for you to say that, God, but look at me now. I'm working on all this stressful stuff. I'm petitioning you to do this and to do that. I'm trying to ramp up my knowledge of the scriptures and my prayers and to win my next door neighbor for Jesus. And all you can say is rest in you. God's plan A really is the only plan for kingdom life. Our plan B is always jumping into activity and asking the Lord to underwrite, bless, and own our activity. I know what I'm discovering in my Christian walk, and I know what I prefer. I've discovered my soul is trainable, that my soul actually likes, even gets addicted to righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
But when my soul wants to run my Christian life, it begins well and ends in a nightmare. Peter spoke to the churches. He affirmed them. He said, you are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Foreknowledge is a word we're tempted to look at superficially and say, well, God knew everyone who would come to know Jesus And on that basis, we have been chosen according to that foreknowledge. Personally, I believe in the context of this Bible verse, foreknowledge is a wholly inadequate word. When I greeted this particular scripture, I discovered the word foreknowledge that the New American Standard translators used would have been far better replaced with the word that means something different in the modern language to foreknowledge that captures the heart of God in the matter much more clearly. The word is prognosis. From the Greek word, a better word in the context of this verse would be the word prognosis. We all know that the word Prognosis means, in medical terms, illness, diagnosis, where the doctor explains the direction this illness will take and whether there will be surgical or pharmaceutical intervention and then how our body will travel until it reaches a place of full recovery. I'm on a six-month prognosis at the present time. My surgeon assured me that I would be fully recovered within six months of surgery. And I'm almost three months along that travel line. Roll on February. Sometimes I have those thoughts rumbling around my thick Scottish skull. Prognosis, according to the prognosis of God, means something very different. The prognosis of God means he chose us, took our lives, and then set it in an entirely different direction. This did not just simply reflect the initial phase of the new birth. The prognosis of God the Father is something that will run throughout all eternity. But he does not do this on his own. The next part of the process, according to the Scriptures, is simply the foreknowledge of God the Father, the prognosis of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. That the Father, and keep in mind that circle of the Trinity in your imagination, communicates on the basis of perfect fellowship to the Holy Spirit. And there you and I are in the center of that circle. And the father nods at Pastor Jim or Alan or Ken and says, this is the next part of the journey. This is the direction I want to take Pastor Jim, Alan, Ken, anyone else under the sound of my voice this morning. And he hands the Holy Spirit the blueprint. The Holy Spirit receives the prognosis of God the Father for our lives. He looks at the blueprint and he smiles 
but contained in that blueprint is how the Holy Spirit is called by God the Father to sanctify our lives at a deeper level. The word sanctification is a theological word that invariably terrifies us. Most of us don't feel that sanctified most of the time. But when the Holy Spirit gets to work in our lives, a better way of looking at what the Spirit of God is doing within us is simply setting apart more and more of our lives, setting apart attitudes, setting apart parts of us that have been wounded for years, even decades, and saying, where there's been woundedness, there's going to be wholeness. Where there's been a negative attitude, there's going to be a positive attitude. Where there's been a resentful and bitter attitude, there's going to be a loving and forgiving attitude. Where there's been immaturity in this area of Alan's life, there will be a demonstration of the maturity of God. And there you and I are, going around our normal life day by day, whistling a favorite Christian song and getting on with all we are called to be getting on with in a day-by-day basis. Generally, when the Holy Spirit gets to work in our lives, our lives take on a great deal of pressure, either internally or externally, but usually both. It's not an academic exercise when the Holy Spirit gets to work within can be a painful journey. If the Holy Spirit is running with the prognosis of God the Father and saying, prune Alan's life way back over the next six months, that's going to be, as they say in their vernacular, a tough gig. Generally, the Holy Spirit will not send us a ten-page letter explaining what he's about to do. It happens in the stuff of our everyday life. It happens when we begin to see our own hearts more clearly. And then we discover, oh, I need God in my life at a deeper level. I can't go on any longer carrying this stuff in the inside of me. And the emotional, sometimes hysterical language that's going around in our souls is simply the outworking of the Holy Spirit putting his finger in some areas within Everything has purpose in life, even very dark chapters of my life. And I appreciate the brother praying into that this morning. Where are you, my brother? Bless you for that. You did not know what you were praying. God has taught me many things through very deep chapters of darkness that I've had to walk through in my life. Your prayer was deeply affirming, and bless you for that. When we're in those cycles, we need to know that everything has purpose. Even dark chapters of my life, when I look back the way, contain great light. Bad seasons have become good memories simply because what God has done in those nightmare seasons. The Holy Spirit keeps working and then leaves us to a place of conviction regarding that which we need to repent of or brings to our awareness. 
a path that we have not chosen thus far, to go to Bible school, to enter ministry at a certain level, to sell our home, to buy another home, to give up one career, to go to another career. And all the while, the Holy Spirit's working within us, setting apart what's required in our spirit and our soul to ultimately make that a reality. That's why a holy calling is called a holy calling. It does not begin with you and I putting on a wish list, I want to have a teaching ministry the same size as Joyce Myers. If it's all the same with you, that is, Lord. A holy calling begins in the mind and heart of God and ends in the mind and heart of you and I and manifests in the real world. God does not do ethereal religion. We can't use a great charismatic cop-out and say, what I need in my life desperately is somewhere in the spirit realm this morning, but I've got it by faith anyway. Yuck. Praise God. He's a pragmatist. And it all filters through our own lives through the work of the Spirit within us. When that work is about to come to an end, we hear the voice of Jesus. Once the sanctifying work of the Spirit is coming to an end, the voice of Jesus becomes stronger in our lives where we need to know that the ultimate decision we make at this hour is simply that, to obey Jesus, regardless of the cost. It's when Jesus becomes involved in the process that the Holy Spirit has carried out the work within that God the Father has given him, and Jesus is saying, come, follow me. When Jesus says that to you and I, we can ignore it for a little while, but we've known all along that Jesus is saying, come, follow me. It's only when we get to that place of submitting to that decision that the work of God within us is properly consummated. We consummate our marriage to God by obeying him when he says, do this, follow me, move in this direction. It's the ultimate consummation of our marriage to Almighty God that that which she has developed, birthed, and released within us is impacting other people's lives for the glory of God. An interesting footnote in this story is once the work of Father, Spirit, and Son has run its course to the point of obedience, that the next part, once we have obeyed Jesus Christ, is to be sprinkled with his blood. And when blood is sprinkled, when the blood of Jesus is sprinkled in our conscience, again by the work of the Holy Spirit abiding within us, then there is healing. Then there is restoration. Then there's a sense of letting go of that which at one time is precious with absolutely no regrets. We could go so many ways with this message. 
Christian life was never designed to be a comfortable life. The work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can take us to places of being extremely uncomfortable for a season. But it's an internal work. It's the work of God within us. And as we look to the final part of 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, we can take great comfort from really a little bit of a prayer that Peter was sneaking into the equation. May grace and peace be yours in the fullest measure. We can pray and believe God for that grace and peace to the fullest measure, regardless of where we are at in our relationship with God this morning. You may need peace more than you need anything else. You may need grace to get you through the next week. But knowing all the inner movements of your life, that the triune God is at work. You have been in relationship with the triune God from the moment you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Some of you are hoping that I will forget all about the homework component on the message. I saw a leaf gradually coming over your faces. Now it's homework time. Go home this afternoon. Take out a legal notepad. Draw three vertical columns on the page of that notepad. Write at the top of each column, God the Father, then in another column, God the Son, and in a, the final column, God the Spirit. And ponder your Christian journey. For me, I will be 30 years a Christian next July. That's a lot of history. On, that's a lot of history in my 53 years upon planet Earth. And prayerfully ponder times. You can look back and establish when God the Father set your life in another direction, moved your life along another course. Running parallel with that memory, ponder the work of the Holy Spirit within you over a week, a month, a year, even a number of years. And then that crisis point, when you knew you had to obey Jesus, when you could put off the decision no more, and then look at what happened as your relationship with God was wholly consummated and consecrated into further kingdom activity. You will be astonished. You will be absolutely astonished. It will take you to thanksgiving. It will bring you to praise. And you will see that all along you've been relating to God inaccurately. It's the Father that initiates the work. It's the Spirit that prepares us for the work. And it's Jesus that says, obey me, so we can be part of whatever the triune God has been doing in us. It will train and educate you and I to walk properly with God in the future. It will deliver us forever from a man-centered Christianity. Who can supersede the work of the triune God within us and say, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the other. It makes it almost laughable. 
but it takes us to a place of being a people of grace, a people of peace that can give a rational account to a religious world of what God the Father has done within us, what God the Spirit has done within us, and what God the Son has released us into. Rational words that will convict the religious mind, and I believe bring many to a knowledge of the true God, the triune God. Now we're going to move into a brief time of prophetic ministry. In some ways it's a demonstration of the word you've heard preached and taught. You have inside knowledge now. When you hear the word spoken over somebody, you can sit there and say, well, God the Father has put forth a new prognosis here. The Holy Spirit will do the work within. And over the brother or sister, there'll be a crisis point where they need to obey Jesus. And you can smile inwardly and knowingly and fellowship with your brother or sister in a new way as you co-labor with them. That the work of God that will begin as the result of the prophetic word spoken will take them to a new place in kingdom activity. Isn't God wonderful this morning? Isn't he absolutely incredible? I bless him for sharing this with you and I, that we can have a perception, an understanding, a working knowledge of the depths of God. Back to Pastor Jim. Hallelujah. Wow, that was such a um, helpful word for me this morning. Thank you, Alan. Um, Really put some clarity around some things in terms of how the working of the Lord unfolds in our lives. That prognosis of the Father, that set direction that he places into our lives and how the Spirit comes along to shape that and put us onto that ancient path that the Lord has already, the Father has established for us. And as we walk more and more in alignment with that ancient path, we find ourselves walking in obedience to the Son, to Jesus, as he says, follow me where you lead me, Lord. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go, I'm going to walk in the places that you've called me to walk. In the way, in the truth, in the life that you have given. So, so helpful. So we're going to close our service this morning by simply responding to that. And if you just want to even respond this morning, uh, before you go and do your homework, if you just want to begin that response right here, right now. We're going to sing a song called Invitation Fountain, and uh, the words um, just talk about, can can you go to the next, to the chorus? If you lead me, Lord, I'm going to follow. Where you lead me, Lord, I'm going to go. And the Lord, we know that over the last couple of months, we know the Lord has been leading us out of the box, and this whole week is designed to help continue to Allow the Spirit to lead us out of the box, the Lord to take us. Hmm. And I just have a deep sense of expectation of what God has already begun and is going to be doing among us. So we're going to respond here this morning. We're going to be responding throughout this week. I really do want to encourage you, if you've not set aside 
this week to come and be with us. You can come whatever pieces fit in your schedule, but I, I want to invite you to come. And for the evening sessions particularly, and for Wednesday night, as we lay hands on Pastor Ben and Pastor Kishore and recognize and license our other brothers and sisters, we're going to, we're, I believe there's going to be a significant impartation. And it's not just them, it's us together. So I invite you to join us Wednesday. But right now, I want to invite you just to respond to this word. So can we stand together and make it easier for folks to move around? And if you want to come to this altar this morning, we'll start with the, go ahead with the verse first here. Maybe you're not feeling weak or weary. Maybe you're feeling strong and refreshed. Either way, there's a fountain available this morning right here, right now. So we're going to sing this through and invite you to the altar. And then I'm going to give a benediction prayer and release those who must go this morning. But take a moment right now. The Father has spoken a word over your life. He has given a prognosis, a direction, a destiny. The Spirit of God is at work in you right now to bring you into obedience to the Son, Jesus, so that your life will be a fruitful life in Him. He has chosen and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be fruitful. I want not just fruit. I want more fruit. I want not just more fruit. I want much fruit. I not want not just much fruit. I want fruit that will remain. Not only in my life individually, but for us as a house. So if you want to step out right now and you want to join me here at this altar, come on. Step out right now. Step out right now. Jesus. Jesus. I want to come to you today. I want to come to the rock. Oh yeah, I want to come to the fountain where you lead. I want to follow. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on, step out. I'd like to see some more men step out. Come on, guys. Step up, step out. Come on, men. Women of God, step out. Yes. Come on. Yes, come on, step out right now. Mm. I just feel compelled to continue to invite you. Come. 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 Come into the circle. The Father, Son, and the Spirit around your life right now working, moving. Come. Come. Come, come. Hallelujah, come. Mm. Just open our hands. I believe the Lord just wants to let you know this morning. You know, sometimes when prophetic ministry is released and you say, I'm so grateful for the word he spoke over our sisters and our brother this morning. But Jesus, I need a word today. I think the Lord would say to you this morning, I have a word for you. 
And that word is within you. I believe the Lord would encourage you this morning. If you will simply take the time to reflect, even today, and to ask that that word will begin to bubble up in your soul. You know it. It's there. It's within you. He has made his home within you. His word is resident within you. And if you'll listen, he'll continue to speak into your life. And he'll bring confirmation in many different ways. Because he loves you. Let's just open your hands right now. Father, I pray that you would release right now the word that you have for each and every life this morning. That you would release that now in Jesus' name. Activate it from the very roots of every life to grow up and to come up through the trunk of every life and out into the branches and the leaves and the fruit. I pray fruitfulness into every life in Jesus' name. And even as they do that in individuals, Lord, the word that you have spoken over into this house, come and raise it up. Raise up the word. In Jesus' name, raise up the word right now. In Jesus' name, raise up the word. In Jesus' name, raise up the word in this house that we would bear much fruit that will remain for the glory of your name. And now with hands open, May you be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor and grace over your life. Until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home. I pray that you will be blessed. And that the goodness of God will chase you down. For His glory and for His honor and for His praise. To the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now and forevermore, Jesus Christ our Lord. We pray in His name. Amen.